Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Church blind. Get to the church blind. Go now. Hey, church planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And uh, this is number 500. So Peyton tells me. Yeah, we, we've been doing this for 500 episodes, brother. Well, really, have we been doing 500? Because no. now, now we got Tim and Tim and Robert. I'm trying, cheating. I'm trying to remember who the other goes. We cheated our way <laughs> to so 500. Bad. Actually, I don't feel bad. Maybe that's what makes me feel bad. Yeah, I think. But if you look at it percentage wise, right, they probably only got like 25 episodes. So well, that's like we started back up at like 5%, 5% yeah, so, of our volume. So yeah, I guess we've only been doing it half a year this year. If we're at yeah. like 25 for us. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's been a long time, Pete. I hear that people don't actually like Robert and Tim and they, they want us to cut them out. That's what I hear. That's nice. Who do you hear this from? <laughs> the voices in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fantasy. I want people to not like them to show how awesome we are. Well, didn't we get like some review from someone who's like, because the other voices are so different, I don't feel like I'm I'm overdoing it on Church Planner podcast or something like that. Because they're like, your voice is different. It's it's a different I people. It's different smack talk. It's different everything. Yeah, but that's cool though. I like that because you know it's like uh, tired, tired old hotness. You know, tired busted hotness, and that what he said, old busted hotness on Men in Black, and the know. new hotness, right? I don't know. He says you're. I, I only you're watch tired, busted. I only watch Christian movies that have a good, solid Christian message that are produced by Christians and are all about Christianity. That's nice. Yeah. So uh, the love dare, the war room. Uh, are those Christian movies? It? Yeah. Yeah. Those are all Christian movies. <laughs> and and they have to be rated R. That's my other criteria. Yeah. They have to be rated and, R. And when Pete did his film degree at Biola, it was only Christian films, like Left Dude, Behind. And people ask me, they go, why did you major in film? I'm like, because I thought it would be the easiest possible degree I could get. I mean, that was <laughs> funny, the reason. Funny story about You didn't this. want to go into film? Well, yeah, but I didn't want to actually work that hard. So mm, funny story I? about this. <laughs> Occasionally, our youth pastor, and he was great. I mean, I had a fantastic youth pastor. Uh, but he would occasionally take the night off, you know, he'd be like, oh, hey, we're going to watch a movie tonight. And, you know, you got to understand in the 80s, Christian movies, like there, there was nothing, man. Like there was, there was nothing that you could show to a human today. Nothing. Like I'm, I'm looking back, trying, I'm racking my brain, trying to think there were some good elements in some of them. 
but they were really, really, and I mean really bad. If you've ever watched a Hallmark movie, Pete, I know you don't know what those are, but a Hallmark, if you've ever watched a really bad B film, they just were a whole, they weren't even B films. They were like DNF films. They were like beyond what was considered bad. And the people meant well. That's a sad thing about it. But I remember watching this one called An Ordinary Guy on Youth Group Night. And this whole thing's all about how this guy, you know, he he he's resisting Jesus the whole time. The guy keeps telling him, Jesus is coming. You got to get ready. And hey, I'm all for that. So like, like, please don't misunderstand. I'm not making fun of that because... I came to Christ by someone telling me Jesus is coming back and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and got a hold of me. But we're watching this movie, right? And it's really bad. And our youth pastor preps us is like, hey guys, you know, just know like the acting's really bad, um, but it's got a really good message. And we're watching it. And the final scene, like the the um the the crescendo, the 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 zenith of this film is at the end. When the rapture happens and this guy's dead, he dies at the end of the film. And then it shows the return of Jesus, but it shows like this bright light and this. And then all of a sudden it shows him shoot out of the grave. And oh my gosh, the special effect. It's supposed to be awesome in this film. Like he died, but he, he was risen again. And we laughed. There was like a couple hundred of us and all at once, the whole room just erupts in laughter because it's so bad that, oh, man, it it, it was funny. And, uh, yeah, it kind of undid the whole film. You were waiting. Like, you know, like, when's this going to get good? And I think that was the part where the director's like, wait till they see this special effect. Oh, my gosh. You could probably Google it. The Ordinary Guy Christian Film Rapture Scene. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so my uh, Christian movie experience that literally shaped the rest of my life until today, <laughs> this very day, was a movie called A Thief in the Night, and it was all about the rapture. That Did was the it? film. I've never seen that, and everyone Dude, used to talk about that. I To this day, I go someplace where I'm expecting to see a whole bunch of my Christian friends, and they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, your mic cut you off. You were Pete was in a high pitched voice screaming, "Have I been left behind?" But it, it your, your mic, mic muted you, off you too. So oh, did we it? Can't, I've, apparently, I've been left behind. Pitch. Yeah, apparently it's too blasphemous. <laughs> we we're not allowed to say this, dude. I'm not kidding, man. As a kid, I still remember being like 12 years old. Where's my parents? Where's my sister? I got left behind. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but I was doing um I was doing through the word and I came up to Matthew 24. And um, you know, all those parables in Matthew 25 that come right after where Jesus is like, Hey, this generation will not pass away uh, until all these things are fulfilled. When you realize that he's talking about the destruction of the temple, all of those parables take on a different meaning that preachers used to scare us with. Remember, oh, they used yeah. to scare us with like the, the parable of the ten virgins. Um, that was about his first coming. They missed his first coming. So they were not ready for him. Then the parable of the talents, he gives them revelation. He says, he who um, uh, uh, has will be given more. And that's speaking of revelation of who God is, right? That they receive the new revelation based on the old revelation. The old revelation was the the talent. They bury that um, and do nothing with it. Even when Jesus comes, the other one, he invests it like, okay, I'm going to take all my knowledge of God. I see the fulfilled prophecies. You know, look, I have so much more. And Jesus says, he who has will be given more. He who does not have even what he has will be taken from him. It's about revelation. You know, like, what did you do with the knowledge of God? Um, and, and he's talking to the Pharisees there specifically and, um, and they get mad because it says, you know, they, they perceive that he's speaking about them and, you know, they, they get all cheesed off and try to, I'm going to have to go back and reread that because that's not, I've never heard that before about any yeah. of that. Yeah. It, once you realize what, because what I hear it all about is, you know, don't, don't be lazy. You know, God's given you talents. You should go out and use them. If you don't use them, then we'll stop and think about it. Right. What's the message. If you take it to be the second coming, it's that 
if you don't work hard enough, if you don't watch vigilantly enough, you'll go to hell. Well, you know, I kind of know the gospel. I, I have read Romans and I have read other books of the Bible and I, gosh, I've read the gospels. And those sure don't seem to be telling me if I don't work hard enough or do enough, I'll go to hell, right? And when Jesus tells the parable of the sheep and the goats, he specifically says there, um, if you did not do this to the least of my brethren or those who believe in me, you've not done it to me. So in the very last parable, Jesus is speaking about how that generation would treat his followers, right? And he's saying, if you persecute and put to death or ignore, or, you know, you refuse to help those who followed me, I take that seriously and I'll judge you when I come back. So, so all of that is not aimed at Christians. It was aimed at that generation whom he had just told about the end of things to come. And it was not when, when they say, when will these things be? Jesus points to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. So when he says, you know, I'll appoint him a, a portion with unbelievers and yada, yada. Yeah, they're all going to die. They're all coming under the judgment of God. Um, the Christians did not. But yeah, it, it's 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 a thing. It's a whole nother uh, way of looking at it. But if you go the route that we were taught in churches, they're actually telling us that we're going to go to hell because we didn't work hard enough. Now, I seem to remember that was called heresy, right? Like, that is the very thing that will keep you out of heaven, is thinking like that, that your own good works will save you. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird like that. I just kind of think we're justified by faith, uh, you know, by grace through faith. Eh, I'm a Reformation guy, I guess. What are you going to do? I, th- I kind of think Luther was on to something. Interesting. Interesting. So anyway, let me tell you about Allstate. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, 500th episode, do they even deserve an honorable mention? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. All right, trash them. Do what you uh, let's all recall, uh, Pete's philosophy is you're not in good hands if you're with Allstate. So, so you know, for those of you who don't know, just catch up real quick. We had a hailstorm in May, destroyed our roof. All states been like, yeah, we don't really want to take care of your roof, even though they're legally obligated to do so. So it's been this big back and forth. And uh, so finally, we got what's called a reinspection, um, where they sent someone else who actually got on my roof, whereas the first person was like, I don't want to get on your roof. I'm too scared. <laughs> Literally, you're there to inspect my roof, and I don't want to get on your roof. I'm too scared. And so they sent someone else, and he took pictures of everything and, and did it. So, <clears throat> so then, uh, so then they wrote up the new the new um, what they're going to give me for the roof and all that. And it was okay. It wasn't what we were asking for. It was off by maybe 15 grand from what we had submitted. And so uh, my roofer, who's a church planner, he he knows how much I, I hate all state. Like I hate him with a passion. Like they're just literally, you're not in good hands. If you ever actually need to file a claim, you're pretty much screwed. So, you know, get away from all state. And um, he goes, so, you know, you're the homeowner. He goes, at this point, uh, you know, you could just take what they're offering now. And, you know, we're going to come out there. We're going to do the roof and blah, blah, blah. So, or the next step is we can go to appraisal. And I go, what's appraisal? He goes, well, appraisal is when we have our appraiser. And he goes, okay, this is going to cost X to fix everything. And they get their appraiser and their appraiser goes, okay, it's going to cost Y. And then the two, you know, negotiate back and forth until I they thought this was the agreement. summary version. I thought we were telling the quick version. Just this is the quick it. version of what's happening oh, next. Oh, okay. The appraiser. All right. All right. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it's got, it's got a fun point at the end. I already fell um, asleep. It, it's my fun point. Okay, so, all right, all right. so then uh, he goes, he goes, now here's the thing. Our appraiser, he goes, he just doesn't take any crap from anybody. He goes, he's a pit bull. He goes, he doesn't yell. He doesn't cuss people out. He doesn't do anything like that. He just pokes the bear. He goes, he just keeps poking the bear, poking the bear, poking the bear until he gets what he wants. He goes, he has a special hatred for insurance companies. And so he's just got this way about him that he just keeps gnawing at them until they, they give it up. And he goes, and most of the time when they see him coming, they won't even hire their appraiser. They're going to save their money and just go, okay, what do you want? 
and just give it to him because he's that good. Kind of like your your uh, uh, public adjuster. Yeah, your public adjuster. And um, and he goes. And uh, so the only reason why you'd want to do an appraisal at this point is if you really want to stick it to Allstate after all they've done to you. He goes, because uh, we'll pay for the appraiser. So you don't even have to pay for him. And I'm like, done. I'm like, do it. Who Who is this that agreed they'd pay for him? My roofer. You know who he is. Wow. Okay. All right. I don't want like to say it publicly. No, I got you. I got you. Uh, so, uh, so we're so, waiting for that to happen. Yeah. So now it's like another, you know, 20, 30 days, whatever. He goes, he goes, what's the worst that happens? They've already agreed to give you, I think it was like 35 grand or something like that. He's all, they've already agreed to give you that. So all that's going to happen is we get more or it goes back to that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I want to stick it to all states. Why not hire a public adjuster? That's the next stage after if the, it doesn't oh, okay. work with the appraiser. Oh, okay. Cause all that's right. more expensive. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it won't cost you anything up front. They take it well, directly out of that. Exactly. Of the yeah. cut. You get more. I guarantee you'll get more for a public adjuster. But well, the, the funny thing goes. is, is my roofer, who you know who he is, he's a church yeah. planner. Yeah. He is a public adjuster. So everything he's been doing is exactly what the public adjuster would oh, have okay. done. All right. So I'm kind of looking at that going. So in other words, all state still just going to be all state and they're just nice. going to do what they do. So that's crazy. You know. Well, you, you definitely chased me off them forever. So I hope I've chased everyone and all your parishioners off of Allstate. Let's see if we can crash an insurance company. Come on, guys. Team up. Uh, Team apparently, up. Pete is going to be crafting a uh, Bible study that you can take your church through on uh, <laughs> the evils of Allstate. Um, I believe that he said it is the beast um, that uh, prophesied in the book of Did Daniel. Did you know if you and- add up all the numbers... Uh, the equivalent of Allstate, it's actually 666, so I'm just, you know, yes. to throw that out there. Yes, it is the number of Allstate. All right, well, hey, uh, since we have now opened ourselves up to lawsuits uh, with Allstate. That's State, not, dude, I can defend everything that I said. I can, literally, they don't want to go after me, because they have except done for the illegal part. stuff. Who They've said done lawyers don't stuff. understand irony? So, okay, well, look, uh, let's go ahead and get into the 500th episode. I feel like that needs a sound effect. Um, uh, like a on, party. Here like here's, the fi- here's the 500th right. episode sound effect. Okay. Bad feeling about this. Yep. Did you even hear it? I did. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, one, one more, one more. Yeah, one more, one more. I made my money the old-fashioned way. Yes. I got run over by Alexis. Woo-hoo! Oh man, and I so used that inappropriate inappropriately recently in a meeting. And oh, did it you? It was so worth it. Yes. I did the voice and everything. So awesome. uh <laughs> I would have loved to have been in that meeting and just been like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Nobody knew the reference, which made it all the better. Uh, as we've said, did they many laugh? Times, did they laugh? <laughs> yeah, people smiled. It was just one of those things where, you know, part of part of your brain's going, dude, put the brakes on me. And you're like, nope. And you put the accelerator on. You just burn rubber. I'm doing it. It's funny to me and I'm doing it. So anyways. But uh, so, hey, uh, 500 episode, we thought today uh, we, we've already I mean, shoot, we've done the memory lane stuff. We've we've done all. I think we did that at 450 and we closed off before we took our break. Uh, you know, we thought maybe we had broken up, but it was a break is a bit like friends with Ross and Rachel. But here we are. We are back and we made it to 500, Pete. And we actually like the podcast. I mean, I I'm probably liking the podcast more than I've ever liked the podcast, which is kind of funny because here we are. It's like round two, man. Are we going to get another four, four fifty, four fifty out of yeah, this it's one? Funny. I take it less seriously now. Like I was all uptight before, <laughs> like they wouldn't know by listening, but I'd be like, no, we have to do it every week. And like, you know, when we'd miss a week, it would like irk me. I'm like, no, we got to do it every week. And now I'm like, eh. Pete's doing the solo without me. Eh, have fun, little buddy. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, care. you know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we miss many episodes. I don't think we've, if we have missed an episode, we've always had an interview to make up for it. it we used to just sometimes miss episodes, miss weeks. And then not a complain. lot, though. Not a lot. We'd have people go, dude, you guys didn't record this week. People would be all upset about it, you know, which, 
it was kind of cool because I I have podcasts like that. If they stop doing it, I get all upset. Where where are you? I always offer to give them their money back when we miss a week. That's very generous. It is. It is. I'm a generous well, person. I've actually got a big heart. It's yes. actually called enlarged. I think it's from COVID. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, it's the it's the vaccine. That's what I found out. It's did I you get a, a vaccine? Heart. I didn't no. think I got a vaccine. I didn't get a vaccine. I did. I got a large spleen off. Of yeah, it. I know. That, I so remember that. You're like, I, I want to go to wherever you went for your your 25th anniversary. Barbados. Barbados. And you're like, I have to get the COVID shot. My spleen hurts. And then you look it up. That's like one of the side effects. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, being an RN, I know where my spleen, I know what, you know, upper left quadrant pain. That's probably my spleen. So uh, sometimes being a nurse, you know too much. But uh, hey, I would just so, like to say that all of us who didn't get the shot, didn't get the jab, none of us regret not getting the jab. Not a one of us. Oh, I yeah. just want to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, how often do you have your 25 year wedding anniversary? Well, well it could be know. two or three times. I mean, it just depends yeah. on how many times you get married. Well, it just means I won't make it to my 50th since I got that shot. But the 25th well, was fun. Know. <laughs> you can't, you can't. <laughs> just got to get it all out of your system at 25 yeah i figured hey and what well, you know what really what's gonna happen on my Let's 50th face it, wedding anniversary is it gonna be that ever, exciting if you've ever been to a 50th wedding anniversary or wedding anniversary party which i've been my grandparents yeah they pretty much just roll you out in in roll in wheelchairs anyway so Absolutely. really that's what i thought what what what, what i don't you know 25. Listen, I good. live fast and die young because I'm a church planner. So, hey, that's our motto, right? So, listen, we're going to talk a little bit today about how we have changed uh, over the last 500 episodes. Uh, of course, 175, I guess, to be accurate. But that's it's a big run, right? Um, how is how has church planning changed? How has the show changed? And how, Pete? Have you and I changed? And I don't care what particular order we do these in. It doesn't really matter. I, I suppose it'd be best to, to start with the show. How has the show changed? And that'll kick in probably to how's our audience changed? As well, see, I can't answer the second one. Oh, I can't. I know all. Well, good. I, you know, I don't know how's our show changed. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that our format has changed much. I mean, we've pretty much done smack and then uh, then story time with Peyton Jones for a while now. So <laughs> story time with Peyton. I like that. Never thought about it that way. I don't. I mean, other than we have the, the sound effects every every few hundred. episodes, We got our sound so. effects back. No, but I think I think the change the change that I've noticed in the show has been. Um, it's less, you know, we went through series where we're like, Hey, basic training. Like if you listen to all 500 episodes, you are going to get like, uh, I wouldn't say a seminary education, but you're going to get some kind of education in church planning. There was stuff that we laid down that was deep. It was practical. I think it, <clears throat> it was definitely a different perspective, but I think since we've come back, there's less of a, a how-to. I when I look at Robert's show, I see that more as like a how-to, right? He's he's not how do you raise funds? How do you do that? And I think they're picking up a lot of I I would say that this show now is a bit more philosophical. It's more of a mindset for planting because society has shifted. And we can argue that. I I can right away hear people say society hadn't shifted. Um I would say church planning has changed and therefore the show has changed where we have, and it's going to lead into how is church. Let's just take this together. How has church planning changed and why is the show changed? You and I did that show <clears throat> 10 years or sorry, post COVID. Why is church planning harder than it was 10 years ago? Um, I think that we have answered all that. So don't really want to get into to how, you know, because you can go back to that show and check that out. But there is a difference now. <clears throat> um, so many people never came back. I believe that what COVID did is it exposed the rot and the weakness of the way we do church, that it was already there. And case in point, I'm planting a church right now. 
And some of the ways that we do things, I'm starting to feel a real tension. Uh, I've got a lot of young people in my church, like the way we do communion, right? Where we pass a little juice cup and the the bread, and it's supposed to be this deep meditative time, but people don't really know how to do it or why we do it. That we inherited from a church culture, right? The way we do it. If if you had gone back in time like a hundred years, you would go up to a little altar railing and you would kneel, and the priest would come by and do it, or maybe, maybe you know, I, 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 even Protestants, you know, Lutherans. Um, now we have these trays we pass around, you know, like. Every- uh, by the way, I would just like to point out the center is the good wine. The outside is the grape juice. Sorry. That's, really? That's, is that true? It's it's one or the other. I don't remember. I, I had it at uh, Jamie's Lutheran Church when we were dating. Ooh. I was like, oh, they got really good for that. You got to just make sure you pick the right one. Oh, I didn't know this. Whereas Catholics, all wine, no grape juice. And Baptists, all grape juice, no wine. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's why I always like to say Lutheran, Catholic light. Well, we're we're trying, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we do this. Um, I know we've talked that's about interesting, you though. know, you you eat and then yeah. So so even now, like I'm I'm thinking I'm dealing with almost all unchurched. And then when you're dealing with youth who've not ever taken communion, because I, I have this belief that everybody takes communion. I don't put that limit on it, even from unbelievers. Um, and that we've done episodes on that as well about communion. Yeah, because I still remember your your one mic drop line. Who did Jesus pass the cup to? <laughs> and it was damned anyways, though, right, Pete? So <laughs> here's here's the deal, though. Um, you know, because of my theological view about communion and and based on Corinthians, which is the place where everybody puts that guardrail up. Um, it's not there. I was always taught it was there. It's not there. And so we we take it as a family. And um, but but I'm feeling that pressure now. And so things have changed. Um and as you as you plant now, you're dealing with a largely unchurched um community that that if you stop and think, how would I if I didn't have a single Christian here and I'm trying to teach people how to do communion. How would I do it that makes sense culturally, right? Because Jesus does it with the Passover. We we literally just talked this through as a as a team leadership, where it was like, if you know, like we know that passing a little cup around and the little teeny you know sliver of bread, that's not how they did it, but they ate. But their culture was they ate bread and they drank wine and that was a meal. That's not. We're not going to do that. Right? Like we're going to eat egg McMuffins like we did at Refuge Long Beach. We're going to have people pancakes, eggs, and sausage. If we eat on a Sunday morning, we're not going to be like, here, flap. There's some pita bread and woo, 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 there's your wine. Right, everyone, we're going to have a meal together. So uh, right away, we knocked that on its head. Well, they, we can't do it the way the early church did it either. So how do we do this? And so that's what we're working through. What's a way that makes it natural? You know, what's a way that even communicates that this is sacred? Because it was meant to be sacred. Um, it it actually, Jesus inter- introduced it during the Passover and said, I want you to, he adds a course, right? There were, there were uh, I think it's four courses and Jesus adds a fifth and says, here's a here's an, an additional course. You're supposed to drink the four courses of, of wine. That night, Jesus introduced the fifth. I, I believe I believe my numbers are right. It could, it could be three and four. But uh, Jesus introduces an extra course and says, do this as often as you come together. So you're like, okay, all right. But am I supposed to do it like they did Passover? Am I supposed to do it? And, and I think we have freedom of how we do it um, to a certain degree. There's certain guidelines that Paul gives, but we're not told here's the choreography of this. So I'm feeling the tension, all that to say, I'm feeling the tension right now that particularly when I'm planting, I'm not planting with with that many Christians. I've got youth. I've got a couple Christians with me and I've got unchurched people that we started with. It's It's different and they don't have church culture. So communion feels very different right now. Interesting. Yeah. 
worship. I get no comments on it. When we're worshiping, um, when you start a church with a bunch of Christians, you have a worship culture. They get it. They're into it. You start with non-believers. They're they're singing and they're looking and they're they're bopping a bit. Like this is cool. <laughs> this is some good tunes. They're not. Oh, you're doing newsboys. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, newsboys, newsboys worship. It's my favorite. No, I'm teasing. DC but talk, DC talk. No, no, no. We actually we have gifted worship leaders, and um, but it's it's different. I'm feeling the difference right now, where uh, we we don't have church culture, and so it's causing me to step back and look and say, what does all this feel like today? Right? How should it feel? What makes sense? And we've been playing around with our uh, order of service big time, right? Um, we don't have a set way of doing it every week. It changes. It's like a movable feast. But planting, I guess what I'm saying is planting is different. And it it used to be you could gather a core team pretty easily. Um, nowadays, people, you know, they're plugged into their church. They're they're great. I've noticed coaching and training planters and the people that I'm talking to even they're even I it used to not be so hard to gather a core team right now uh, people are like ah, no I, we're pretty plugged into our church it's all changed man it's all changed I don't know what that is interesting yeah I got nothing so just throw that out there what I would say, going back to the show, I think we're trying to lean into that thing that is maybe hard to to, to define, but is definitely felt. Um, I believe that that the generation gap that Britain experienced over time, we experienced overnight. It, it was starting over time, but it then started to uh, happen more rapidly. I believe that the church in future must regain it's prophetic voice again. And I believe it's, it's funny how we opened up. I believe that the church needs to start saying things again that it doesn't say because it wants to be respectable. I believe we need to start talking about the return of Christ. I believe that we need to start leaning into the stuff in revelation. And, and now you and I talk about this. I am not a weirdo on end times. I'm I'm about as sane as you get. I'm I am almost a complete preterist, right? Um, which means most which of would what make we, you a weirdo in most Christian circles. It would make me abnormal. It would make me the kind of guy where I don't get sensational. And I say, well, a lot of that was fulfilled in 8070, but the return of Christ is real. And right. I believe that the Antichrist is parenthetic. I believe that there which, was Which by the way, I always find it interesting that people are like Wait, you don't like me personally. I don't. I don't. Even after that uh, uh, Thief in the Night movie, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not buying into the rapture. But I totally believe in the second coming. But to them, it's like it's the same thing. I'm yeah. like, no, it's actually and you not believe the same he could come any moment. Oh, of course, um, yeah. So I often wish he would <laughs> any moment. Right about now, would be good, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it, it it's amazing. I didn't, I don't think I sent you, did I send you the clip with the guy where he's in bed reading his Bible and the trumpet sounds and he gets all excited? No. I have to send you this. It is the funniest freaking clip ever. Of course it came from Brandon Brooks. Is it, uh, is it funnier than, uh, <laughs> I'm a Methodist. <laughs> Nothing's as funny as that. And man, we believe we everything you do. Clip. Wait, no, no, no. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe everything you do, only we go to church on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I'm a free Methodist, that's like the funniest thing on the planet. But, you know, here, here's the thing, right? When it ho Hold on. I have to tell my Doberman to get out. She will not stop click-clacking. Can you hear her we little? We can't hear it. I just see okay. her every once in a while. She's in here bugging me. Stop chewing on him. My cat is on this little sofa over here. And the Doberman comes up and, and wants to play. And the cat's like, no, I'm sleeping. But the Doberman comes up and starts chewing on it. On just, the cat? On the chat. Uh, yeah, just chewing on it. Not not putting pressure on, but just chews on it, like testing the waters, like, you want to play? And the cat does not want to play. So the cat just keeps, like, not moving, which is the best thing to do with the Doberman. Ignore it if you don't want to play with it. But it keeps coming in here just chewing on the cat, you know? Just gently moving its mouth up and down its body, chewing on it. 
So Dobermans are rad. So anyways, going back to um, what I was saying about uh, church planning and all that, it, it has changed. And so that's where I think the show has changed. And we're speaking a little bit more um, philosophically into the change, I think, that's happened in society post-COVID. We still haven't figured that out. Um, but it does feel more like Europe to me, which then is causing me to feel things have to up. Like this week, I'm like, okay, I have to start fasting and praying again. I need a little more spiritual power. Um, I don't have the spiritual savvy strength or wisdom necessary for this task. And I think most of us are starting to feel out of our depth. I am certainly feeling that way. This feels very different. When I went to Long Beach, I was still off the mission field from a European context. And to a certain degree, um, I had bigger muscles spiritually. And, you know, some of those have atrophied. So I am now feeling that equivalent of where Paul tells Timothy, hey, hit the weights. You know, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value both for this life and the life to come. So I'm starting to feel that kind of David Goggins like, come on, come on, got to work, get your head in the game. You know, I'm I'm feeling that from the Lord now telling me to, hey, got to get in there. Who's going to carry the boats? We're going to carry the boats, right? I'm feeling a bit of that. You've been watching a lot of YouTube lately, haven't you? <laughs> you know, they know I love me some David Goggins motivation. They send it to me. I listened to that dude's book on an overnight drive when I was trying to make it to a funeral in the South a few years ago. Whole, and, and they grounded have to like I don't, What's the name of it? Do you know? Oh, Off the uh, top of your head? His, uh, no, it's got a lot of potty mouth in it. But it's his. Um, oh, it's rated art. Yeah, it's it's just he just you know I I listen to yeah, the audible. No, he's a seal, so yeah. yeah, I listen to the audible, and he's cussing all through it. But it is actually a very powerful book. I can't remember what it is, but it's his first book. He's got a second one out now. I have I not have heard to that. Check one. it out. Yeah, his first book is very powerful. So and he reads it. So that's if if an author reads our book, I'll often go grab it. Uh, I did that with someone else, someone that you know, and I was like. I actually can't stand listening to this. Like, I don't yeah. even want, there's no way I'm going to throw him under the bus on this podcast. Cause it's someone you respect a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I is awful. It's, it's, well, I got to tell you, brother, they need I got to tell you, it. I do not read my own books. I cannot stand my own voice. And I, the guy who read, yeah, you do a podcast for 500 episodes. Way to do go. You want to know something? This, this is true. And I haven't reached this with video yet with podcasting. And I, I tell people, you know, there's one or two ways you can, you can be a broadcaster. You can either think you're so awesome and that everyone should listen to you. And therefore like, you're like this narcissist on the air, or you say, you know what? I really want to help people. And, but I don't like the limelight, I, I want to, and you got to get over yourself. That's how I feel. When I was a preacher, brother, I could preach because I'm standing behind the word of God and I'm dependent on the spirit. That's a different animal though, because you are up there. The authority is the word of God. You're glorifying Jesus. Like I could do that all day, right? That was different for me. But when it came to podcasting, um, that was hard for me, believe it or not. I, I was scared. And I, I mean, I'm scared every time I get in the pulpit, you know, for fear of, of how much I could screw it up. But huh. YouTube and camera work and video, again, can't stand myself on video. And yet I'm upping it because I'm like, you know what? This is, you kind of need to do more video nowadays to help people. My heart has always been to help people. But honestly, uh, getting over myself, that is what it is. I believe that there are two types of people. There are people that love it and thrive in it. And you don't have to be an artist. So some people just like it. For me, I hate it, right? Um, and I do it because I feel this is what God wants me to do, and I will do it. But I don't, I don't think I'm necessary. I don't think if we disappeared overnight, the world. We said this before. Eh, the world, God will raise someone else up, and they'll say what we're saying. But uh, we did take a break for a year. Um, I didn't see a ton of people raise up, particularly with the mindset, that missional mindset, and first century uh, angle. So I'm happy to do it, but I don't think we're necessary. Huh? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't know other things that have changed. I'll say for me, one of the one of my motivations for doing the podcast for the last 12 years, 500 episodes is, and I've mentioned this before it's for my kids. Like I want them Mm -hmm. to, I want them to know what I think on a lot of these issues. Um, And I would say that my opinions have changed a lot. Yes, they have over 12 years. Yeah. And um, like, you know, I think about, cancel culture right and um it's something that you're a little bit more uh cautious of than i am whereas i'm like ah screw it i don't really care what anyone has to say and you're like depends on what it's what it is if it's gospel stuff i'm all about it let's go get canceled yes no 100 percent there but we've said a lot of stupid stuff over the years oh my gosh yes choking and this that the next and um you know i still remember one of our our race issues podcast podcast episodes that we were talking about and some lady like emailed in afterwards she's like yeah that one guy he doesn't have a clue what he's talking about the other guy he only half knows what he's talking about yeah he half gets it he he half gets (laughs) and i'm like you know what but but i even look at even race issues for me over the years have my opinions have changed a lot yeah and um and a lot of that has to do with just being exposed to new ideas and having conversations and so i do think about you know, the idea of cancel culture. And I'm like, look, dude, why are we canceling people for what they said five, 10 years ago? It's like, we go through a process and, and I'm sure where I'm at today, things will change later. Um, You know, I had a conversation with one (laughs) church planner who you'll probably know I'm talking about. And we've, we've gotten into it before on women in leadership in church. And, you know, and he's like, I used to be where you are. And now I'm over here in this camp. And I'm like, yeah, I used to be in that camp. Now I'm over here where you used to be. Yeah. So funny. What I'm just open to is we can talk about these things and we can go back to the Bible and we can pray about these things. And I mean, you know, I just think if, if God wanted us to know everything and how we're supposed to act in every situation, then the Bible would be more of just like a law book. Yeah. Uh, which I realized the first few books of the Bible are a <laughs> law book. <laughs> but I mean, it would be modern and it would be updated for today. Yeah. You know, so oh, I just. Man, we're, we're doing ancient pathways and I am having so much fun. We started that this week. We had 75 people, dude, in this, in this course. Nice. And it, it was pretty cool because, um, our morning session is like all global, but we're talking about like, um, man, we we're just talking about how I had them look at, um, you know, what was the chief thing about God in the Old Testament? Holiness. What was the chief thing in the New Testament? God is love, right? And Jesus being loving. He's a fulfillment of the law, which is love. So we were kind of joking around. Like I was, I, I, I brought up this analogy, you know, like sometimes when you're, doing a live presentation, something comes out of your mouth and you're like, I got to write that down. I got to remember that. But I was talking about how, you know, and I've said this many times that the, the law is the idiot's guide to loving God and loving your neighbor. Right. And I'm like, so when it says like, Hey, um, when you're walking through the field and you see your neighbor's oxen in the pit, you know, uh, falling in a ditch, if you don't help it out, you're accountable, you know, like, so, and I said, you know, it's kind of like, when you're running down the street to work in your car and you see your neighbor's dog out, you have one of two things you can do. You can either stop your car um, and, you know, come on, Gigi, get back in the yard, you know, whatever it is. Um, or you can keep driving and be like, ah, sex to be him, you know, idiot. He needs to fix his game. Wait, wait a second, Peyton. Who exactly is my neighbor? Well, that's it, right? That that's what I said is the the reason it's the idiot's guide to loving your neighbors because we always want to you know kind of get out of it. But it had hit me for the first time doing this course that God, Jesus, perfectly fulfilled love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And and it's gonna. I know, like everybody's like, oh wait, you just got to that? No, I knew that already. But the way he did it, for example, like um, 
we talk about the fact that God is love, that loving your neighbor as yourself, that is amazing because God in Trinity, in eternity past, the love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was so intense. In John 17, Jesus says, then they'll know that you have loved them. Then the world will know that you have loved them just as you've loved me. That that all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, Jesus, like God himself, loved us like he loved himself. My head exploded. Oh my gosh, that commandment is worded in the way that God loves us. He loves us as much as he loves the son. That is a direct fulfillment of love your neighbors yourself. God even did that. He loved us as much as he loved himself. That blew my mind. I got to have a bucket to put that in, brother. Like that was just, I, I was like, okay, I'm done. I, I don't, I don't, that came out of my mouth. And I like, it just clicked to me. I was like, holy crap. Like God loves us. And that was a choice. He chose to do that. When he created us, it's like Michael Reeves says in Delighting in the Trinity that um, God is uh, love because he's Trinity, because he existed in this relationship with himself for eternity. He loved himself, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this love that was there that had to be shared. It was so good um, that it spills out and he creates. He shares it with us. That's why he created us in love. Like, I I don't know. And then when you see, because what what I was trying to show was how holiness, people want to make this false distinction between Old and New Testament, and that when you look at the Old Testament, the love of God is there. That is what the law was. It was all about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind. First four commandments of the Decalogue. The second six are about loving others. Don't lie to them. Don't cheat on them. Don't, Don't steal from them. Don't murder them. Like, it's summary, but... That is about it. That's how it's broken up. That is the law. That's like the, the summary of the law, but it's expanded into, to greater detail throughout the books of Moses. And then when you see that, like, oh my gosh, you know, like it, it, you know, and then we brought the holiness that holiness is a big deal. The most often quoted scripture in the New Testament is without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Like when Jesus says, for your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees or you will not see the kingdom of God. But he's talking about a righteousness that's given, a holiness that has to be given. Remember how you and I in Leviticus, we used to talk about how you can make yourself clean or unclean, but no one can make them holy. We haven't seen you outside the camp in a while. What's going on? (laughs) Oh, that was a good episode. I forgot about that. Oh, I'll never forget about that. (laughs) You you had. I remember reading some Deuteronomy verses and be like, man. <laughs> Let me text it to you. Oh Sorry. my god! Sorry, I didn't mean to take you away from that. Go but, for it. But you can make yourself clean or unclean, but you had to be made holy, and you could only be made holy by one thing, and that was the blood. And so, when when you see that in the New Testament, and then you know, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It has to be given to you. It has to be done to you, right? Yeah. And then after that, the the imputed is what's given to you. The imparted is how the Lord is making you holy. Once you've been given the holiness of God, the spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in you and starts making you holy, conforming you to the image of Jesus, which makes you love people. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, patience, peace. Like, man, I just tell you, I was just session one and it was so good. Like, I don't know, man. One of the, this has been fantastic. One of the, the, I would say the, I don't know, lessons that I've learned over all these episodes, you and I know this, um, (laughs) I've got real issues (laughs) with God in the sense that like never feeling worthy Yeah, because you're not (laughs) It's like, well, you're not worthy. Like you can't do anything to be worthy of God's love, to be worthy of his grace, to be worthy of his mercy. Mm. And that's always been an issue for me. Like knowing, like having a very clear idea of how sinful I am. Mm. And I remember we interviewed, uh, man, what was his name? Uh, Yawning at Tigers. Uh, Drew, Drew Dick. Oh, Drew Dick. Yeah. 
I remember you asking him, how do you pronounce your last name? I want yeah. to make sure I'm saying it right. Drew, but before I get to his last name, there's one or two ways <laughs> I can pronounce it. That was before one we were... is good. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. He's like, no, you got it right. Like, he was a cool guy. He was totally cool. And um, and I remember you going, oh, I don't know if you should reach Johnny at Tigers. Because you're like, you already knew all the hangups that I had. Yeah. And And I remember reading that book. And that book, like, is so good at, like, really, really getting people to understand yet another aspect of the nature of God. And that um, we will often be like, oh, God is love. And, and we, we, like, give all this happy fluffiness to God, which, to be fair, is accurate. Mm. But it's also God is just. God is holy. Yeah, God has a, a, a holy wrath. Um, I mean, there, there's, and so he like really brings out, you know, let's, let's get a, a good picture here. And that's why it's called yawning at tigers. You know, the idea being, it's like, there's a big tiger in front of you and we're like, oh, yawn, ha ha, not a big deal. Like there's a freaking tiger in front of you too. Yeah. You're dead. Like right. that thing is like the greatest killer on the planet. It's, it could kill you at, right. you know, the drop of a hat. And, and I remember after reading that book for me. I was like, okay, I can really understand a, a much better, how do I put this? I really have a feeling for the only way I could possibly, possibly stand before that kind of a God is with his mercy, is with his grace. Like there's literally nothing I could do to ever be worthy of being in his presence, to to come before him. There's nothing I could like, it just like really was like, no, God is that holy. The only way is mercy and grace. That's the only way you could ever stand before a God like that. And honestly, that helped me a lot because it was like, yeah, no, I'm not good enough. And it has to be God's mercy and grace. I mean, it, you know, that's the only way I'll ever be able to, to make it yeah. to his presence is yeah. his mercy and totally grace. Is nothing I could do for it. Nothing. Yep. Totally agree, brother. That's, you know, <clears throat> that is one thing that R.C. Sproul used to really uh, promote was the idea that um, the holiness of God. He he said, until we get that, we can't get anything else. And that's why God in progressive revelation in the Bible really emphasized that first. Otherwise, it's a cheap grace. You don't understand what it costs. Mm. You don't understand what you're up against. You don't understand yeah. the seriousness of your sin. And so when we stop preaching the holiness of God, um, we actually truly stop preaching the grace of God because it, it we don't, grace isn't grace unless God is holy. Right. right. So it, 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 we need to understand that first. And, you know, I was I was reflecting on ways that I've changed over this podcast, and I, I know this is going to sound really weird for me to say. It's probably not what you should say. I haven't changed a lot. Um, there, you know, I mentioned already there are some ways in which, you know, getting back on the ground again after seven years of not planting has been, you know, felt really good. I mean, you know, for those of you that don't know, I, I spent years traveling all over the country training for North American Mission Board and then um, wrote this little textbook called Church Plantology. And, um have been, you know, training indigenous uh, global planters now. That's been probably the bulk of my last year um, has been leading up to that and tucking myself away to do that. But I've also been, you know, last six to eight months uh, recruiting a core team and um, training and doing that on the ground here and working towards a training center called the Foundry, which, hello, Wesleyan Circuit Riders, that's, that's where he trained them. Um, we are looking to plant ninja planners, apostolic planners. Um, but I would say uh, the way that I've changed is I've gotten older and I'm 50 as of this year. And I have started to grow this passion for youth in the next generation that um, as we've come back now, there is something different in me. Um, when I wake up and think of my church plant in the morning now, I think of young people. I don't think of old people. I think of young people. 
and I think to myself how I'm failing them. Um, and it's good in a way it's good, you know, for, for some of you guys to hear this, that I've shifted to legacy mode. And I now believe that every day when I get up, it's about what I'm passing down and passing on, which apostolics always have that, but that the tap is turning on full blast, um, in new breed right now. If, if you're looking at things like ancient pathways and you want to come in, we have a suggested price, but we're actually saying, if you can't afford it, just come take it, right? If, if like to the world, it's free to the globals. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, the time of my departures at hand, like, like Paul said, like, like that's coming near and nearer to me. When you turn 50, you start going, okay, you know, I might make it to 70. I might make it to 80 or 90. I don't know, but things have shifted now. I'm in a different phase. And now at this point, um, I promise I have, you, I'll pull the plug. You won't make it to 90. <laughs> I've already do. told you. I've That's told why you we're friends. I'm counting on that, man, because being an RN, I seen people, I do not, I tell Andrew all the time, please pull the plug on me. But here's, here's the deal. She's like, I don't worry. It. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, she actually, all the time we, we will talk. She was like, you know, you have really good insurance on me. We don't have a great insurance. You on really you. have good insurance. I didn't set it up. She set it up. I didn't set it up. So, anyways, <laughs> but all that to say that that's how I've changed. Really, Just, you know, I watch Dateline like every week, so I'll spot it. I'll, I'll spot the mishaps <laughs> from from New Breed to my books. Um, we're getting ready to plant, uh, republish a revised version of Church Zero coming up. Um, we've got a lot of plans and our plans are to establish a training curriculum that at the end of the day, brother, as long as God is meeting our needs, I just want to give it away to the world, you know? So if you want to be a part of that, you know, obviously go to new breed. I'm not very good at pitching things or selling things, but it's a very real deal. You know, we started giving all of our stuff away and not that many people donated. I was kind of floored by that. We had thousands of people downloading our stuff. Um, and very few, I think out of that, like a year that we just gave everything away for free, like with like literally just you come in zero and, but you can donate if you want. Um, I think we had one person, maybe two donate out of thousands. And I'm like, wow, I was, you know, you read the lepers and you're like, dude, so, uh, you know, it goes back to that whole idea. Do people value it if they get it for free, yada, yada. But I've just been more kind of floored that people come and take it and they don't even contribute like five bucks or 10 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever. Like that's been, that's been eye opening to me in the global South where they make one or $2 a day. I'm like, Hey, that's cool. But at the same time saying that I'm not salty over it. I, w- I was a little shocked, but I just feel like, all right, Lord, you know, that's cool. That's something you got to work on them on. Um, that's cool. But we have this thing right now where we say mission money does not dictate mission. We still have our mission. We're still going to do our mission. We're going to go for it. God has provided for us right now. It may not continue, but He has provided. We're going to keep going for it. So that's our that's our goal is to get this curriculum out. And brother, I'm telling you, like we'll be listening to um, you know this one guy uh, from uh, uh, Cameroon is training. I think it's like close to 30 people and he'll be taking this curriculum and training all these planners, you know, and, uh, you know, he's like, can I bring them all to the meeting? We're like, yep, you can bring them all, you know, but, uh, we, you know, it, it, it's just insane to me. It's crazy to me. All, all of the, and we're just getting going. So that's, that to me has been the major shift that I, I haven't given up on the West. I haven't given up on America. Quite the opposite, actually. Um, we're going to be getting knee deep here and exploring what does all this first century stuff that I'm continually growing in, like these courses we're building. I look back at church plantology and think, man, I wish I knew this when I wrote that. You know, like already there's more. Um, but yeah, that's how I've changed, I think. Interesting. So, all right. Well, guys. I mean, there you have it. How church planes change, how the shows change, how Pete's change, how Peyton's changed. And uh, lastly, how you as the audience have changed. Pete says he doesn't know that. I'm pretty sure that your guys' change 
has been that you get less excited. This is what I'm picking up on the ground, that people are less excited right now about the church as an entity and more excited Mm. about the activity of the Holy Spirit in the lives of everyday believers. I didn't think I would see this day. There's a reason microchurch, underground, all these things are resonating. You guys have gotten the memo that discipleship, you know, and here, here's the thing. I, I was uh, chatting with someone this this week who said, hey, movement. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of talk and movement, blah, 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 blah. But we don't see any in the West. This is a guy I was talking to in the Free Methodist. And I said, you're right. And I said, you know, really, to be honest, um, we America always wants to take a shortcut to movement. There are no movements in the West. They're all in the in the developing part of the world, um, global South. But here's the thing. America will want to talk about a fancy word like movement and want to shortcut it because they're in America and you can't shortcut it. You can't get to movement. Movement's something that happens in like step five or six as a result of doing step one and two, which is <laughs> leaning heavily into the power of the Holy Spirit, making disciples. And then there's some steps along the way, um, leaning towards multiplication, right? Gift empowerment of every believer. That Those things lead to movement, but we as the church in the West are still not doing those things. So I believe that you as the audience have changed in that you, you understand the assignment. You know what we're looking at. We can reach movement by going back when it says do not despise the day of small things that's where the magic happens is on the ground that's where all of it's going to take place that's where all the good's going to happen and that's what we need to lean into i would like to say that where i've seen the audience change is when i've seen their two-star reviews uh apologized for and they come back later and go i i repent i didn't like smack talk because i was too uptight now I love smack talk and you get a five-star review. That's where I've seen the audience change. And oh. it's always been smack talk. Smack talk bothers people so much. Yeah. I, you when know, they first it's funny. Out. It's funny, man. Yeah, it, it is true. It is true. All I can say, brother, is smack talk and the actual thing. I am actually having, I think, more fun than I've ever had doing this show. Um, and Probably because I'm less uptight. It, it could be. No, I don't think but it's you. Late I, five minutes. Who cares? There's something about this show right now, Pete, that to me has a prophetic weight about it. Oh, um, I'm feeling a prophetic weight in this show, which is ironic because I strongly believe that everything like what Alan Hirsch and Rich Robinson said, the last 10 years were prophetic in that all of us were writing these books about what was what we needed to focus on. Then COVID happened. And then they said, uh, when I was having a, a dinner with Alan, he said, yeah, you know, uh, but now going forward, we're in an apostolic time because this is the time to act on all that stuff that God prophetically changed our mind about the last 10 years. This next 10 years is going to be apostolic. Um, and so I, uh, that is what I think is going to happen. But ironically, I think this show still has a prophetic feel and, and I think it, the verse that I would go back to for that is Jesus said, you can read the, the, the sky. You can tell when, you know, it's red, it's going to rain. There's a storm coming. But he said, but you're, how is it you're not able to discern the times? And I, I just feel the podcast right now has that, uh, that extra weight to it that it didn't have before where I feel it was prophetically calling out what we needed to do before. Um, I, I feel we've somewhat flip-flopped. Like it might've been more apostolic back then telling you how to and what to do. Whereas now I feel it's a little bit more, like I said, it feels more philosophical because I think now we're, we're trying to discern the times where are we at, what happened post COVID. And I, I don't want to keep talking about COVID, but, um, but we live in a real world that was affected by that. And I, I can't stop thinking as a missionary and looking at it, you know, and I'm learning as we go. So that's it. That's all I got to say for episode 500. Well, all I'd like to say is, uh, hey, if you are thinking to yourself, I want to be a church planner, but I got to make money. 
then you need to check out missionbybusiness.com. In fact, uh, one of our guys, I was just talking with him. I got a message from him this morning. He came through our our special AI training, and then he he was doing the full-blown uh, consulting training. And he messages me, and he goes, hey, uh, that, that client I was asking you for some help on yesterday, uh, they just signed up for $500 a month. I'm going to be you know, doing some specific work for them, and I'm going to be doing this over here for another 500 bucks. And, th- and I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. he's looking for ways. And I'm, I'm telling him, I go, cause yesterday when we were talking like what he was telling me that they needed, I'm like, dude, you, you, that's going to take minutes a month, but it's a huge benefit to them. Mm-hmm. So whatever you charge, you're going to be making money hand over fist. Nice. And that means you get a few more clients like that. And if you need to leave your day job, you can leave it because of your church plant, hmm. but your income is going to be there, which is what you need for a family, right? Yeah. I mean, we got to make money. So anyway, check out missionbybusiness.com. You'll see all the cool stuff we're doing with AI and uh, how we're using that to help businesses. And of course, that's meant to be an income producer for you. So check it out, missionbybusiness.com. And also, if you want to head over to newbreedtraining.com, I mentioned it earlier, I gave you the website. You go to newbreedtraining.com slash give. If you want to donate to, um, you know, the cause, anything that's helped you over the years. But plus, if you do want to sign up, it's not too late. We'll still take you in the course. We do record all the ones previously. And we are on a donation model. We do have a suggested price. But uh, one of the things people are doing right now is they're signing up to donate. So a lot of people just come through, um, you know, for free and what have you. But if you want to pay it forward, come on through, uh, give us a donation and uh, we'll take in. We'd love to have you. You don't got to just outright buy it. If you want to be a supporter of the work uh, on a monthly basis, recurring giving, we'd way rather have that. We would love to build partnership with you. And if you're planting a church and you don't have mission giving, that's one of the cool things about New Breed. You can actually give to New Breed as part of your mission giving. And when you end up in these cohorts, you're going to meet some of these indigenous planners on the ground and forge a relationship with people. I guarantee they'll probably invite you over to come help them, but really you'll probably go over there and learn from them. So anyways, uh, that's it. Thanks. And remember, if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.